You're listening to the Writer Than You podcast. Welcome back to Writer Than You on this Tuesday morning here on CBS Sports Radio, the free Odyssey app, Sirius XM, channel 158. And again, Andrew in for Bill. Bill is back tomorrow with D-Cell. Peter Schwartz here this morning as well. Uh, we are now nine hours and 12 minutes removed from the last official update on DeMar Hamlin. It was a tweet overnight from the Bills confirming that he suffered a cardiac arrest on the field after his hit with T. Higgins. His heartbeat restored on the field, and he was in the hospital in critical condition, intubated, and hopefully, you know, we hope, heading in the right direction from there. But there's so much to process about what we actually saw medically from the training staff, from the medical personnel on the field as well last night, and now how we move forward from here. So uh, one of the first names I thought of to speak to this morning is a gentleman I've known for a long time, has always been my go-to source for regular sports health injury news. Um, Hope to never have a serious conversation like this, but here we are right now with Will Carroll, at Injury Expert on Twitter. Will is the author of multiple books, Science of Football, Science of Baseball, you can follow his Substack under the knife.substack.com. He's also the director of bioanalytics for North Star, a sports science startup, and he is with us here this morning on CBS Sports Radio. Will, it is Andrew. It's been a while. I wish we were speaking under better circumstances, but thanks for being with us today. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, Andrew. Um, so I, I guess, you know, Will, you know the ins and outs of these worst-case situations that all of these training staffs prepare for, but we never think are actually going to play out. What was going through your mind as you were watching all of this happen last night in Cincinnati? I, I think the the toughest part for me was that you didn't see it. Uh, I, I think ESPN overall did a great job. You want to be respectful. You don't want to show someone in distress. And we see this pretty regularly. You know, I was watching the Eagles game this week when, when uh, sweat went down and was kind of twitching. Uh, I watched the Colts game where Nick Foles, uh, at one point, was in so much pain that it looked like he was seizing. Yeah. He was just kind of twitching around after bruising his diaphragm, landing on the ball. Um, so we see these kind of things, and when you don't see it, your mind starts racing. But the, the thing for me is that I know how good those medical staffs are. Those are two really solid staffs. They have everything in place. Um, you know, they drill for this over and over and over. They, they go over things before the game. Uh, the paramedics were there. They knew where the, the uh, defibrillator was. Everything was in place. I almost wish we could have seen how quickly they work. Um, you know, how do they get the helmet off? Uh, because you have to worry about a neck injury. Uh, a spinal injury is one of the ones you always worry about. How did they get uh, the shoulder pads off to get to get the defibrillator pads in place? All those things they did, uh, these are the true unsung heroes. And hopefully Hamlin will come out of this okay. Uh, this sort of thing has about a 58% uh, recovery rate, which is pretty amazing, mostly because most of them don't happen in this kind of situation. Unfortunately, I remember a situation not – Gosh, it was about a decade ago here in Indianapolis um, during a tournament. Uh, I think he was six or seven years old. A kid was hit in the chest, dropped dead, never got up. A six-year-old. Um, you know, there was a 15-year-old not too long ago, got hit in the chest with a lacrosse ball, uh, it dro- it dropped right there. Luckily, an AED had just been installed at that. And I was reading this morning uh, that a couple of years later, he's still playing lacrosse. And uh, it, it, I think committed to Maryland, uh, a big program. So 
it's the preparedness. It's uh, having the medical staff in place that makes a difference between life or death. So what, what we think happened, I, I think I'm pronouncing this correctly, is commodio cordis. And as yeah. far as we know, it's just oversimplified. It's just terrible timing, right? It has nothing to do with any kind of yeah. unknown condition. It's just the wrong impact at the wrong time in your heartbeat cycle? Yeah, exactly. It's a hard enough impact at just the right spot in just the right, you know, if you ever watch the ECG pattern, if you've got an Apple watch and you do that, it's between the R and the T. Um, So it's one of those things where it's just unfortunate. Uh, No, it has nothing to do with vaccines. No, it has nothing to do with the player. You know, 90% of the time, uh, this is a ball, a puck. We've seen it in sports. Chris Pronger a couple of years ago had that when a puck hit him in the chest. Yeah. And it was a, a frighteningly similar thing where he stood up and then didn't. Um, so, yeah, with Camosio Cordes, it is simply getting hit in the wrong place at the wrong time in the same way that you can revive someone with what's called the thump procedure, which is nothing more than, you know, banging on their chest with your fist. Which so you're kind of you're almost redoing what started the problem yeah, in the first place. Exactly. Will could you walk us through if if you know the actual like steps that the first trainer as he got to Demar like what they would have done like step by step to initiate kind of that worst case scenario protocol? Yeah, uh, when you see somebody go down like that, you're worried about spine. So the first thing you have to do is check to see uh, and, and stabilize their head so they don't hurt their spine any further. Um, but after that, you know, he had stopped breathing. We know that uh, they quickly administered CPR. They would have had to take the, the mask off, um, probably left the helmet on. Uh, the face masks, even on these advanced helmets we have now, uh, have a mechanism that they can be cut off so you can do exactly that. They would have begun CPR. Um, it was likely, uh, you know, all hands CPR. Um they would have uh, immediately got the AED out, which is the uh, automatic defibrillator. They would have had to cut away his uh, his shoulder pads to get those pads on in the proper places and administer that. They also administered oxygen, uh, which told us his breathing probably had some issues. Uh, and and yeah, they did all that in the space of a couple minutes. I I, I want to say, again, and who, who am I to even speculate this, but if it was just a simple, and you mentioned Chris Pronger, and I said this in the first hour of the show, the video is very similar to DeMar Hamlin last night where he gets up and then goes right back down, loses consciousness. He played four days later. Um, is, is I don't think DeMar Hamlin plays this weekend, but if you're looking for silver linings, if this would happen to DeMar Hamlin, has he already kind of passed the most dangerous part of this situation? Yes. Yeah. Um, you know, again, I'm not a doctor. Yeah. Complications can happen, but, they, you know, we're not looking at an infection. Um, we hope that, you know, he didn't go without oxygen for a significant portion of time. That would be the main uh, concern, that, you'd think, right, at this point? At, at this stage, yeah, you're worried about damage to the heart. Um, you know, it, when, when your heart stops, it's bad. Um, he would have likely, due to the force, uh, had some bruising to the heart, so that area can be difficult to restart uh and once it does you have to watch it because it can get out of whack which is why they have him sedated and tubed um but yeah i, I think he's past the worst of it and, and again because of the advances in technology and because he had two great medical staff there plus the uh, independent paramedics and everyone else that was there uh he got the best possible care 
so yeah, I would think he's passed past the worst of it. We just have to hope that you know none of that worst of it has lasting effects like you know, brain damage. Will Carroll, at Injury Expert on Twitter, is with us this morning here on CBS Sports Radio. To go back to those training staffs, you mentioned that they run through these worst-case scenarios, but is that something they would have done, like, once before, you know, or before the season as kind of, like, reaccreditation, or is that something they would do regularly during the season as well? Yeah, you're not running every possible scenario, but, you know, you're, you're going through it. Uh, these are professionals. Uh, you're going to have new people on staff, so you're going to have different people in different situations. You know, this guy does this. This guy uh, gets the AED. This person, uh, you know, goes and gets the paramedics. This is where the ambulance is in the stadium. You know, even before the game, the two medical staffs get together and they say, okay, here's the paramedics. Here's the sign we make to call them over. Uh, here's where the cart is. Here's the sign we make to get that over. Um, our doctor is over here. Uh, the the hospital is X and it's, you know, three minutes away, those kind of things. One of the things that I heard last night is that they knew exactly where the parents were, who was at the game and where they were seated. So they were able to get uh, Hamlin's, I think it was his mother. mom, yeah. Yeah, which tells me first he was probably fairly stable. If they're waiting, you know, even 30 seconds to get somebody there, that's a a reasonably good sign. Um, But – they had it down that much that they knew who was at which game and where they were seated. So that tells you just how prepared they are. I, I don't know if um, you feel comfortable answering this question. If you don't, I understand. But from a mental health aspect, for everyone else that was on the field last night, what should we? What should the league, the teams, be doing for their players and coaches and staff that that also lived through that last night? I, th- I think you're just going to have to deal with it. Um, you know, this is one of those things where we're going to find out just how well teams have prepared. How mentally strong are they? You know, can they rally around it? A lot of times a guy will go down and, and you rally around him. I can remember Dennis Bird when he had his situation, he became the rallying cry. You see a lot of situations where guys will give the thumbs up. Uh, Chucky Mullins down at Ole Miss. So you, you have situations like that. But on, on, a, on a more you know, real mental health level. All these teams have team psychologists. All these teams have performance coaches. All these teams have an employee assistance programs because life is hard. Uh, It's one of those situations where, you know, we're going to find out really quick how much that team trusts those people, how well they have systems in place. uh, And if not, you know, they're going to learn that pretty quick too. Will, you've been around players and teams more than I have, but I mean, I think everybody that follows sports, we've, we've all seen it players' ability to to move past these things or set them aside and go back on the field is, a, is a, a skill I don't think I have. Where do you think it comes from? Is it just part of being an elite athlete that you whatever the distraction, whatever the emotions are, they just know how to process them and get them out of the way for the three hours of a game on a Sunday? Yeah, it's a little bit of compartmentalization. You know, you don't want to be thinking out there. So, uh, you know, even when we saw Hamlin stand up, that's not – his brain going, okay, uh, you tackle the guy, stand up. You just you automatically stand up. You want to get up quickly, move back uh, to, to your side of the field. So that was pure you know, reptilian brain uh, kind of reactions. And, and that's what you want to get back to. You don't want to be thinking out there. You don't want to be uh, tackling somebody and thinking, oh, gosh, I hope he doesn't hit my chest because he can't play that way. And if you're thinking that way, 
this kind of goes back to you know the the Tua Tagovailoa situation for me. Everybody's saying you know three concussions, he can't play again. Look, if it's one concussion, if you're thinking about a concussion, you shouldn't be out there. Uh, you know, you have to have confidence in your ability. Sometimes that's ridiculous confidence. You know, these athletes uh, are young. They're rich. They're in phenomenal physical condition. I think we lose how much of physical freaks they actually are. Um, but, you know, they, they feel invincible. And things like this do kind of kick that invincibility out. It reminds them that maybe these, these war, that I'll die for this, uh, all these metaphors are just that. They're not real. You don't actually want to die for this. Uh, Will, thank you so much for all this information. Obviously, tough to know how all of the, you know, everything about this and wanted to kind of tackle it from a, a, the medical side of it. So we appreciate the time this morning. Hopefully our next chat's um, regular football news, injury yeah, news. something simple like concussions and knees. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Will, be good. Thanks again. I appreciate Thanks it. Uh, that's Will Carroll, at Injury Expert on Twitter. I've, again, I've I've – Known Will, I've talked to Will on different shows, satellite regulator for a long time. The, the very first time I talked to him, I believe, is he's and, he, and I going back to his Twitter feed this morning to see if he had any kind of different you know things in his time that I hadn't seen yet. He's got it pinned to his feed. He was the first person to teach me that a strain and a sprain of a ligament are the same thing. And this came up the other last week. There was a question: Is it this or that? I think about Lamar Jackson. It's the same thing. It doesn't make sense. Like, it doesn't seem logical. But a sprained and a strain, they're all the same word for a ligament tear. And just the degree of the tear changes how bad the injury is. That was my kind of initiation into Will's medical, sports medicine expertise. And, you know, I think it's important to kind of understand all of the things we saw last night and have somebody who knows, not me, sitting here trying to as we're hoping for good news, show us where the good news might reside in in this situation. Let's take a time out. Uh, when we come back, we're going to do buy or sell in its normal time spot here. We're not going to do it in the normal way, but we're just going to put everything serious and purposeful and where our attention always will remain on DeMar Hamlin. Set it aside for 10 minutes. Just spin very quickly through the other things that happened before this last night, during this last night, just to see what else was going on yesterday. We'll do that when we come back on Writer Than You on CBS Sports Radio. You're listening to the Writer Than You podcast. Welcome back to Writer Than You on this Tuesday morning. Andrew Bogish in for Bill Ryder. He's back tomorrow. Everyone's back into their normal positions uh, for the first time here in 2023 on tomorrow's edition of Writer Than You. So we still have no substantial, official, full-fledged update on DeMar Hamlin. The last came from the team shortly before 2 a.m. Eastern, confirming what happened on the field and putting him in the hospital in critical condition. Now, his manager and business partner who and friend, who you might have seen tweets from last night, uh, a gentleman named Jordan Rooney, was on Good Morning America this morning and said, quote, I can't speak specifically on his medical condition. I will say that he's fighting. He's a fighter. The family is in good spirits. We're honestly just taking it minute by minute, hour by hour. I, I you know, again, everything goes right down the middle on how you want to take that. I, you might have hope for something a little more positive than that. But... 
the fact that he was on TV talking about it, I think, is a good sign as well. If it was a dire situation, a scarier situation, I think you would have been quiet and kept to yourself. So, you know, hopefully, whether it's the team or the family says something, you know, more substantial, more concrete, and and fingers crossed for something more positive uh, at any point today. But if it happens before noon Eastern, we'll get it to you as soon as we can here on Writer Than You. For now, though, in a subdued fashion, it's time for Tom and Buy or Sell. What side will Bill take on the biggest issues in the world of sports? It's time for today's edition of Buy or Sell on Writer Than You. All right, Andrew. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers got themselves back to 500 on Sunday with their win over the Panthers and clinched the NFC South in the process. So Sunday's final regular season game in Atlanta means nothing to them. Now, Tampa Bay will host either the Eagles or the Cowboys during the wild card weekend. Having said all that, I say this. Head coach Todd Bowles said yesterday the Bucks plan to play their starters on Sunday against the Falcons, though how long remains to be seen. Buy or sell, you would even dress Tom Brady for Sunday's game if you were the Buccaneers. Uh, sell. Sell. If by sell you mean don't even let him come to the stadium. I mean, you can't. You know, I, I think in that position, I'd do my best to default to the player what he thinks he needs to be ready for a playoff game the following weekend. But there are certain guys who you just can't lose. I mean, they I don't even know who their backup quarterback is. So you can't have a big lineman falling on Tom Brady's ankle in the one series he plays. You can't have a wrong step. You can't have Brady throwing a pass and his hand slams on somebody's helmet. He's got broken fingers and he can't throw. Um your only chance of any January, February success is Brady being as good as he was last weekend. He can't do that if he's hurt. So, yeah, if I'm Todd Bowles, other guys need to get out there because it's just a numbers thing, but Brady's not playing Sunday. For a team that had a hard time all season putting up points, they actually were able to do that against Carolina last week. Anything to be said for momentum? Yeah, momentum, rhythm, but you're also talking about Tom Brady, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin. They've all done this before. Now, on one hand, it, it took them 16 weeks to do it for real, and you know, as impressively as they did on Sunday, it was against the Panthers, so that's a grain of salt as well. That, again, is why I would try to let them go out there, but I can't risk Brady. It's just not worth it. All right, Heisman Trophy winner and USC quarterback Caleb Williams had another gaudy statistical game yesterday in the Cotton Bowl. 462 yards passing and five touchdowns. But Andrew, Tulane scored 16 points in the final four minutes of the game to come away with the 46-45 win. In the Trojans' 14 games this season, they've allowed over 29 points per game. Buy or sell, you cannot buy into Lincoln Riley and USC until they prove they can play defense. Uh, I'll sell that. Sell. Because he brought Caleb Williams with him. They're recruiting well. They scored a ton of points. The Heisman Trophy winner at quarterback. They're playing. You know, they were in com- in conversation for a semifinal game. They're playing a New Year's Day game in year one, right? I mean, I think that's a pretty good start. They need to play defense, but I'm not holding it against them just yet. All right, Donovan Mitchell had himself a career night last night in the Cavaliers' overtime win over the Bulls. Mitchell dropped 71, yes, 71 points on 22 of 34 shooting. It's the most points in Cavs franchise history and the most points scored in an NBA game since Kobe Bryant's 81 back in January of 2006. Buy or sell that NBA fans are now beginning to appreciate Donovan Mitchell 
now that he doesn't play in Utah. I'll buy that. Buy. And they they better be. Um, I mean, they this he's remarkable. The team is super fun to watch. If you don't want the Celtics or the Bucks or the Nets to win the East, your next best option is this team. I'd rather root for them than the Sixers to knock off one of those quote-unquote big three in the East. Here's my favorite stat, though, of last night. So Donovan Mitchell with the 71. He's the seventh player ever to get across 70 points in an NBA game. He and five others have done it once. And by the way, the list is not Jordan, Kareem, LeBron, not on the list. But seven guys total, including Donovan Mitchell now, six of them had one game over 70. Wilt has six of them. He's the seventh guy, and six times he scored more than 70 in an NBA game. All right, let's go out west here. The Warriors made it five straight wins last night as they took down the Hawks in double overtime. Klay Thompson led the way with 54 points of his own. Big man Kavon Looney had 20 rebounds, while Draymond Green had 13 boards and 11 assists. Buy or sell that Golden State is starting to find their footing playing without injured Steph Curry. I'm going to sell this one, Tom. Sell. Partly because it took 54 points to win that game from Klay Thompson. I hope for Klay Thompson that he is getting to a point where physically and mentally he's as close to normal as he's going to be. But the big holdback for me here is it was against the Hawks. And they've been a disappointing team. Apparently, Nate McMillan even considered resigning to try and fix some of their problems. So the fact that it took all of that effort to beat them in double overtime, it's a positive, but it's not a huge positive for the Warriors. The number one team in the country went down in college hoops last night as Rutgers beat Purdue 65-64 in West Lafayette. Rutgers, if you remember Bogus, beat Purdue last season when the Boilermakers were also the number one team in the country at the time. Buy or sell that upsets in college hoops are more enjoyable than upsets in college football. I'm going to sell that one, D-Cell. Sell. Because I think to me, the question is a blowout or a last second upset. Which one's better? You know, like Now, TCU Michigan got close in the end. But let's assume TCU won that game by two touchdowns and just smoked Michigan for 60 minutes. Is that more fun to watch than TCU kicking a field goal at the horn? Because last night, what was fun about Rutgers-Purdue is that it went down to the final seconds. Rutgers hit a shot, then played some defense, and got a win. And as you said, I do remember, I can't believe Rutgers, not just back-to-back seasons with a win over number one, but they've now both times beaten number one Purdue once in Jersey and once at Purdue last night. All right, let's finish up with some hockey here. Last question. Yesterday, the Boston Bruins beat the Pittsburgh Penguins 2-1 to at Fenway Park. Yes, the home of the Red Sox in the NHL's annual Winter Classic game. The NHL has been doing this since 2008. Buy or sell the Winter Classic needs a new twist to keep fans entertained. I'm going to go with sell. Sell. I don't know what the ratings for yesterday are going to be. Up against some bowl games a weekday afternoon. I did see pictures of Fenway last night, and not every seat was filled. Um, so there might be some bad news coming, and maybe I've reserved my right to change this answer later in the week. But I just I just love this game. Players on both teams showed up yesterday in, like, throwback Red Sox and Pirate uniforms because they're playing in a baseball stadium. They changed the configuration where the way the rink was. The rink used to be kind of in the outfield. It was going more 
across the infield. It made the green monster be the actual backdrop for the game. It wasn't always that way the previous time. I could use different teams. It feels like the same seven teams have cycled through all of these games. The venue is limited by weather and whatnot. And But I, you know, this game to me is always going to be great. And the, NH, the NHL has taken a lot of hits, and rightfully so. But the NHL has been very good innovating. They did the they did these alternate games first. This one's a hit. They changed. They were the first ones to do a fantasy draft All-Star Weekend. Now other, te- other leagues do it. They've had some creative, successful ideas led by this one. So, yeah, I mean, it, things can always be better. It's not perfect, but this game is pretty close to perfect for me. And that's buy or sell. And again, um, you know, just wanted to do it to get some other things on the table here this morning. Things that are not more important, not even remotely close to as important as DeMar Hamlin and his Bills teammates and the Bengals and the entire football community. Uh, But other things did happen. Gave him a quick mention. And before Peter's update, I want to go back to something that Will Callow mentioned in the first segment, which people have been sharing as well. And I think it's now important because, you know, we should all be prepared for coming across something horrible. You just, you never know when you're going to be near something and maybe you in that moment can do something that changes and saves somebody's life. But I didn't know this until recently. The new suggested way to do CPR is only to do chest compressions. You you think of putting your mouth over somebody else's breathing, pump, pump, breathe. Then they have those, you know, they have the little kind of mouthpieces to make it easier. But I guess it just, you never, non-trained people never could do it correctly. So it was a kind of a waste of time. So now it's hands-only CPR is the preferred, the suggested way to do it. There are videos online of how the correct way to do it with your hands, the correct force and speed to do the chest compressions. But if you're ever in a situation where somebody's heart's not beating and they're not breathing, you no longer breathe in their mouth. You just do the compressions and you just do them. That's not five and take a break. It's just do it, do it, do it until actual professionals are there to take over and help you. But that is, in case you're ever in a situation where you need it, that's the new preferred way to help in those situations. And um, the American Heart Association has videos on YouTube that have been shared um, throughout the morning and since last night on social media because you just never know what you might need to do or um, maybe hopefully somebody here is in a position to help you if you're ever the person that, that needs that kind of help. Uh, we'll get back to DeMar Hamlin and everything that we know about this situation. What's the math? 14 hours since this all began and no official update since an overnight tweet from the Bills. Multiple networks are doing live reports from outside the hospital, but we have not heard from anyone from the hospital, from the league, or from the Bills yet this morning. All the latest details, anything else that's newsworthy this morning, here's your update with Peter Schwartz. You're listening to the Writer Than You podcast. Welcome back to Writer Than You on a unique Tuesday morning. Andrew Bogish in for Bill. Tom DeCelestino, Peter Schwartz. Tom doing a great job helping get this show off the ground this morning. As we sat here for now nearly two hours, just still processing everything that we saw last night in Cincinnati, trying to look for the good news, trying to find the positive side, hoping for a good news update on Tamar Hamlin. We still have not gotten anything substantially good and new yet this morning. The Bills tweeted just before 2 a.m. Eastern with some specifics about what happened on the field and 
DeMar's status as of them. And again, his friend and business partner was on Good Morning America this morning, called his friend a fighter, said the family's taking it minute by minute, hour by hour, but is in good spirits. That's the extent of the new news this morning after one of the scariest things that I think most of us have ever seen on the field. You know, maybe you were at something on a smaller level that was just as frightening, but I can't think of the amount of emotions and the length of feeling those emotions as last night. And this is not about me, but just, you know, sharing experiences. Like, I I didn't know what to do. Like, when they finally said, we're not playing tonight, and then the story changed now to just... There was no other questions. It was just, what's the latest on DeMar? People were showing up. Reporters were now leaving the stadium, getting to the hospital, and it was now a full-fledged news story. You still you still couldn't break away. And you were still, at least I was, you know, bracing for for the worst. And wanted to hear something good. Like, didn't want to close my eyes for the night until I had heard something good, like just something to let you relax a little bit and think that, you know, you're not going to wake up to to anything more terrible in the morning. And, you know, the league spoke about things. The team made their comments. The Bills leaving town gave me right or wrong a little solace that they felt comfortable to go back home. And... You know, here we are this morning, still kind of waiting for another thing to let us just exhale a little tiny bit. Obviously, we are live 24-7 here on CBS Sports Radio on the free Odyssey app. So you've got Jim Rome, you've got Maggie and Perloff, you've got uh, you've got Zach Gelb, you've got shows all night, including Amy Lawrence, who we played a clip from earlier today, having a conversation with Sal Capaccio, who had just gotten off the Bills team playing as part of the Bills radio crew uh, and gave Amy as much insight as he could off of what that plane ride short from Cincinnati to Buffalo was. Um, the league has said nothing new this morning about how or when or if or whatever they're going to do with this game last night. It was just basically nine minutes old. And, you know, if you were wondering like I was last night, can give you all the baseball rules by heart when it comes to rainouts and postponements and whatever. You just... you. You follow baseball, you know how those things work. And I found myself last night wondering, is there anything remotely close written in an NFL rule book somewhere? Because taking what happened last night off the table for a second, there are multiple reasons why a game couldn't finish. Unforeseen, terrible, severe weather. You could have had power outages in the stadium. You know, where Last night, if for whatever reason, the power grid in Cincinnati went out, and there was no lights, no nothing in that stadium, you couldn't play that game. So is there anything that makes an NFL game, quote-unquote, official, like playing four and a half or five innings of a baseball game does? And there's just an all-encompassing rule about games that can't end for whatever situation, that it's just the commissioner's choice. It seems to say, like, you know, had that game played into the fourth quarter and it was 38-10 Bengals, the commissioner could have declared that good enough, given Cincinnati the win, and then we could have completely focused on DeMar Hamlin. But obviously, with like six minutes left in the first quarter, that's off the table. So this game sits there at 7-3 last night, Bengals in front, and 
I don't know what they're going to do. And, you know, for the most part, I don't necessarily care. But I think 24 hours from now is when we get in the realm of where everyone involved, whether it's just Bills and Bengals or the entire NFL, needs some clarity on what's happening this weekend and maybe the weekend after if we get any kind of full-scale delay of the next batch of games to make sure this one can finish, if it matters that much to everyone involved to play all 17 games so the Bills and the Bengals and the Chiefs line up correctly atop and equally atop the AFC so we know who's got what seed and who goes where. But all we can do for now is just sit here and wait for somebody to say something good about DeMar Hamlin. And... While we do that, there, and I'm sure you've seen some of these videos, some pictures that are being shared, you might not have heard DeMar Hamlin's name until this happened last night. He may have been a stranger to you until he now is the victim in one of the worst moments on a field, on a court that any of us can ever imagine. Our good friend Tyler Dumb, who has been on this show and on this network multiple times and and may come on to discuss this himself later today, tomorrow with Bill, that I don't know. But Tyler has wrote, I shouldn't, not knew, repurposed, reposted a long-form article from his website that he wrote about about DeMar from, was it before last year? It's about a year old, right, Tom? And if you want to know more about DeMar Hamlin, he comes from a, a a tough, to say the least, neighborhood, suburb of Pittsburgh. And this story is about all of the bad that he saw growing up. His dad spent three and a half years in jail. He lost multiple friends growing up to gun violence. His mom, Nina, who was part of the story last night as well in Cincinnati, realized, knew what was around her son and did everything she could to keep him away from all of the bad draws on the street. Worked night and day so she could afford to wish him to a private school to get him out of the local school system. And DeMar Hamlin fought through, avoided all the pitfalls, overcame all of those things. And then when he was a really, really highly regarded high school football player, he had multiple Division I offers, Big Ten schools, you name it. And he stayed at home to play at Pitt because his mom and dad had a son after the dad had come out of jail. Family stayed together, obviously. They had a new son. He was, you know, DeMar was in high school at this point, so he's significantly older than his little brother. And he wanted to be around for his little brother growing up, who I think now is six or seven. But he chose to go to Pitt so he would be home to be with his family and be with his brand new little brother. Could have played at Ohio State, other you know bigger quote unquote schools, bigger programs in Pitt, but he wanted to be home for his family. And then we find out during all of this last night that there is this just open ended GoFundMe page that he set up as he was entering the NFL at the end of 2020, just asking for a little bit of help for a toy drive for a daycare that I think his mom runs. All he wanted to do was raise. 2500 bucks to buy toys for, for disadvantaged kids in the neighborhood that went to this daycare that his mom worked at and ran. And wasn't that the goal as of kickoff last night? And now we may be north of $4 million through donations from people who just needed to do something. 
to feel better about what they saw, to try to create some kind of good energy, good emotion, good whatever around this situation to try and get DeMar Hamlin as healthy, as fast as possible. That's a remarkable thing. That's a remarkable dose of generosity from strangers. And I was going through, you know, if you've ever done one of these, you know, you can choose to have your name there. You can choose to have a message there. Some people anonymously gave money. Others love you three, get better. This is from Chiefs Nation. This is, I mean, almost every NFL city is represented in these donations to get get nearly $4 million for, I think it's called Chasing M's Foundation is the official name of, of DeMar Hamlin's operation as charity. And all of that came from social media. So people rallying around that to try to bring good to this scary situation is an amazing, amazing thing. And, you know, I keep saying it, but it's the only thing on my mind. I, you know, I just hope that these tiny little specks of good from last night are followed soon by a really big hunk of good news about DeMar Hamlin. And, you know, if you're just kind of checking in for the first time this morning, we have heard nothing new since that Bills tweet overnight confirming that he was in cardiac arrest on the field and that measures were taken to get his correct heartbeat back on the field, in the hospital, intubated, in critical condition. Now, multiple people, including our injury expert, Will Carroll, have said as scary as the sedation and intubation sounds that that's normal for this situation. It's not necessarily a, a bad sign. It's that's the normal procedures for letting his body heal from this traumatic event, which the assumption remains from a distance that it was something called commotio cordis, which is, again, oversimplified, a heavy impact to you know, the right or bad spot at the worst possible time in your heart rhythm. And it, it literally just kind of knocks your heart out of whack and your heart can't fix itself. And that's why Tamora Hamlin was able to get up, but then collapse like that. And the hope is that Tamar Hamlin's recovery matches that of Chris Pronger, an all-time NHL player, late 90s playoff game was hit right in the chest by a slap shot, didn't see it coming, wasn't prepared for it. He went. He fell initially on the puck. They stopped play. He got up a stride or two, and then he crumbled back down. He was unconscious for 20 seconds, but was revived and treated, and he played in the game, in a playoff game, four days later. And he's now tweeted about this morning and said, I wore a heart monitor for 24 hours to make sure there was no long-lasting damage to my heart. Everything was fine. And it was just simply near fatal bad timing. And he was saved by the medical personnel that was in the building that night, much like the medical personnel that was in the building last night that got to DeMar Hamlin way faster than any quote-unquote civilian would have been attended to in a similar situation at a park, in a backyard, in your driveway playing. That likely would not would have taken your life. For now, DeMar Hamlin is alive hopefully well, because of the people that responded to him immediately and did their job, trained for it, prepped for it, never planned on using those skills and those plans. But it didn't look like anybody dropped the ball last night, and they rose to the occasion. And as I said when we started the show, 
I hope we learn their names too. We're never going to forget DeMar Hamlin's name. We're never going to forget T. Higgins' connection to this and his emotions last night and the emotions of some of the players that the TV cameras caught during the game as well. But I, you know, I, I want to know the trainers. I want to know the ambulance techs. I want to know everybody that was involved in getting this young man off the field in the best possible shape and even the best possible chance to make it through this. Because for a long time last night, I, I, I did not think we were going to get a good outcome. And the fact that we just did two hours of a radio show very seriously, but we did not have to do any kind of memorial or obituary about a 24-year-old football player as long as we stay away from that, it's it's only good news uh, as far as, as I go. I want to thank again Will Carroll, at Injury Expert on Twitter, for joining us this morning to navigate the technical medical stuff of last night and now moving forward. Uh, a great job, as usual, more so than usual, by D-Cell. We were joking the last break. We both have been confused by how much time we've had left in the show because we've actually been on time today. We've been coming back from breaks normally when we're just throwing to breaks after updates. And this last segment, which is often eight seconds long, has been minutes and minutes long, and we both like kind of didn't know how to handle it. Um, so it has been a trying day for everybody here. Great job so far by everybody that has preceded us on the network. The day continues here on CBS Sports Radio and the free Odyssey app. Thank you for helping us get through these two hours And again, thoughts and prayers to DeMar Hamlin, his family, the Bills, the Bengals, and basically the entire NFL world. Have a great Tuesday. Good news, hopefully coming soon from Cincy and Buffalo. Bills back tomorrow right here, righter than you, on CBS Sports Radio.